Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Tonight, it's me and Thomas Godden again on the ones and twos, episode 35. I know it's been a little time. I know y'all have been missing us, but we're back. Thomas, how you doing tonight? Doing great. How you doing, Chris? Hey, I can't complain. It's been a pretty complete day. Got a little ink earlier today. Also, um, you know, tried to watch a little... A little of the uh, the footy. Watched a little bit of the uh, Atlanta United game. Watched, um, or I watched a little bit of the uh, San Antonio Colorado Springs match, and then the uh, and then the El Paso tonight. So I've watched a little bit of, and then of course can't get the NBA Finals. Uh, let's check into that. Bucks up three two. Uh, did you see this coming? I not. I thought the Suns were going to. They were up what sixteen after the first quarter. The Bucks battled back. I. Props to them for taking it. They played a great second half. Giannis is just insane. So I'm excited to see game six here in just a few days. Yeah, Bucks are uh, definitely definitely putting a little shine on the media. Um, you know, I can't lie. I wish it were the Clippers in this position. But, you know, since we're sitting at home on the couch, you know, I'm okay with Milwaukee doing their thing. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see my Hawks do it too, but I'm okay with either team at this point. Either the four corners get a W or Giannis gets his ring, and both of those would be deserved. It's got a little bit of that uh, 1993 vibe, doesn't it? It looks like it might push Game 7, maybe? You could see it going that way. I don't think D-Book's going to be shut out here. I think that he's going to put up some numbers in this next game. question is whether Giannis can close it out, whether he's got that clutch ability. So the, here's the here's the true question: Does do the Suns see a visit from the '93 Suns team for inspiration? Are they getting texts from Charles Barkley or Thunder Dan or KJ? Or do you think that like that is happening now? Or what do you think is going on? I don't know. You could maybe see a lot of those guys doing it. Charles Barkley doesn't seem like the type to give anyone encouragement, though. <laughs> why do you think that i it's just personality it just seems more like you guys gotta go out there and win on your own you don't need my help i'm not gonna send you guys a text well, win the game. Not, right you just you hope that they're getting sons charles barkley and not like you know not like philly you know yeah true <laughs> <laughs> right on yeah so speaking of uh sudden turnarounds uh Tonight's show is pretty good, actually. I mean, we're, we're going to get into New Mexico United uh, taking a sudden change of direction, uh, going from a, a three-game slide to a two-game ride. Um, your, your thoughts, Thomas, on, on how 
we're like, it seems like we're right back in it. I mean, we can't forget. I mean, we did lose nine points. So that, that definitely is very major. But I mean, your thoughts on United turning it around uh, quickly on a switchbacks team and a Charleston battery team? I mean, they came out and played some lockdown defense two games in a row when they really needed to which is all you could ask for. They played great in the second half against Switch or against uh, Charleston, and they were helped out by a very fortunate red card and took that and wrote it out to three points. So props to them. They needed those six points to sort of write what was a really bad road trip for them. Well, and you, you attended the Switchbacks match, correct? Yes, I was there. Oh, man. Such a rainy day, right? Uh, um, oh, yeah. What, it seems what, to happen when we play switchback specifically. Yeah, weather, weather delay. They brought a little bit of that weather probably. Mm. I don't know. Um, definitely, that was a good match. Um, 3-1 win, correct? 3-1. Mm-hmm. Two Three goals after win. stoppage time. Mm-hmm. Now, which of those Two goals did you like? Which, which of those goals that you like the most? Like, do they rank in your mind a certain way? I mean, Azira's one goal of the week, it was a really well-taking corner kick, and United has been dangerous on set pieces, as we'll get into. But I love a good counterattack goal, and that ball from Cholo to Spring Illich was great. And I'd spent about 20 minutes complaining to, I was with my sister and with my roommate, I spent this complaining about United's open. I didn't like this match coming into the game. And then he goes and pulls that out of his hat and scores the the ending goal there, and it sort of shut me up. <laughs> well, and what's really cool about like about the goal scoring lately, I was thinking, is that you're seeing new guys uh, get on the score sheet, and mm-hmm. to to me, like, I mean, we know that I'm pretty sure Azira has has scored goals before, but I mean, like, yeah. as far as yeah, but as far as like him getting that initial United goal and then, uh-huh. you know, and then just like the fact that new guys are opening their account. I mean, that's got to give like, that's got to give the guys like a little bit more like boost because that's just like one more guy that's credible as a target now. Oh yeah, for sure. It's a good thing. It boosts the team up. I mean, Ryden got his first goal of the season against switchbacks as well, or was it against, it was against Charleston. He got his first goal against Charleston. So we're seeing players, I think every starter in most games now has put at least one goal in past someone, which is just a good thing. Makes the team feel a little bit more balanced. You're not keying on one person. I would like to see someone step up and be the guy, though. I don't think we've really seen that yet this year. I don't think anyone has more than two goals. And when you really need a goal in a clutch moment, who's going to be the guy to step up with a ball in the back of the net? And right now it's just sort of goal scoring by committee and – I don't know how that's going to play as we get closer to the playoff. That's a good take because you really, you're like, you're correct. There really isn't that one guy. Like, you know, Colorado Springs has Haji Berry. That's pretty clear, right? Um, <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty clear as far as who their guy is. And I'm going to say, I think with El Paso, maybe there isn't a front runner, but I know that their, their new kid, uh, Diego Luna, has definitely been, Oh, him and Dylan Maris have been pretty much the ones that have been mm-hmm. putting in the ball. So it's like we we don't really necessarily know who the real McCoy is, right? For a uh, a mm-hmm. wild western uh, a pun here, we're still trying to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. We know you know Sandoval had a goal. He typically 
has won every once in a while. This is what his second one this season. Um, but I mean, any thoughts to like, or maybe even like early, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Nostradamus like predictions, like who's gonna, who's gonna come out as a front runner. Who's going to be the one to really take on the goals. Like, is it, is it going to be waiting at the helm for Armando Moreno? Or do you think that, you know, during this time frame, maybe like someone else gets hot? I like to see someone else get hot. I, I think, as we'll talk about, Moreno's been on fire, but the international schedule for CONCACAF is brutal over the next few months. And so I'm not sure he's a reliable option to just go forward and put a bunch of goals in because I'm not sure how often he'll be available for selection. So you, you like to see him getting international minutes, but at the same time, it's, it's going to be hard to rely on him. So you hope someone gets hot and steps up, whether that be Devin Sandoval is in this new formation, whether someone like Sergio Rivas or Andrew, Andrew Tanari starts stepping up and putting goals in from the wing. I don't know. Someone's got to put some goals in. Right. And I mean, who, who, who is our clear chance creator right now? I mean, is there anyone who's, I mean, USL would say who statistically is the chance creator. Um, I'm not sure. I think it's Cholo is the the front runner, at least. I mean, against switchbacks in that game where, you know, you've got a man advantage. It's, you're just knocking on the door the entire second half. It felt like they were out of ideas until Cholo came on the field and, Sort of added a spark, added some creativity, had some more creative creative passing, creative dribbling. Christian Nava helped as well, and I'd like to see more of him. But Cholo really turned the game on its head and even bagged two assists. So you would hope to see him sort of providing that spark and providing the creativity in the attack. And and while we're while we're talking about this, I'm looking up uh, some stats on USL to see who the, you know, just see some of the, the team leading stats for United. Um, let's talk a little bit more about uh, United through the, the last five matches. Uh, I know you've covered a little bit of this in your column, red or green. Um, but I mean, I know, like I said, like th- we know three results didn't go our way, two did. But I mean, overall, like what sort of, what sort of uh, theme do, did you see kind of out of United? What things... Um, are affirming and then what things are just very clear that we still just have an issue with even through the two results that were that were wins I, I think that the main two things that we're seeing sort of come as sort of reliable things that either show up as green or red in my column are being set pieces have been spectacular united is burying chance after chance after chance from set pieces and it's great to see that just adds an element to their game that is really useful and you know, makes them a dangerous team to play against. That being said, they've got to do better in the offensive buildup. We're seeing them just have too much wasted possession, too much passing around the back, in the wings, hitting a speculative cross, it gets cleared. We recycle possession and go again. Whereas I'd like to see a little bit more creativity, a lot more playing through the middle, trying to play into the feet of the strikers and get something going because we're just not scoring enough from the open play. And that's that's a problem against really good teams. Right. So I've pulled up a couple of stats here. And uh, oh, as I just took a drink from this beautiful thing here, we're calling the, uh, you know, the stay golden. Oh, what are you drinking tonight, Ooh, nice. Thomas? I got myself a blue moon. It's it's really basic, but it's, it's a good beer. We had a bunch of it from 
I, I guess we were watching some match here recently and decided we were going to go for a whole case of it. So I'm finishing it off tonight. Okay. Okay. Right on. I just reloaded. So I just got another case oh, nice. of, nice. of stay, stay golden. So I'm like, you know, felt like taking one out tonight. We were talking to United, thought it was the right thing to do. Mm. Um, okay. So looking at stats right now, um, Cello leads the team with 21 chances created. Um, through his 13 appearances, I mean, you could chalk that up to, um, what is that? Like, it's n- not quite um, ooh, not not quite to a game. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. if you think about it, the game where he really created chances was the real Monarchs game, um, mm-hmm. where he where he's where he sunk in the uh, the the free the free kick. Um, yeah. But right after right after him is uh, Andrew Tenari with 15. And then Sergio Rivas comes up with nine. And at that point, everyone's kind of getting chances in. Um, when it comes to shots, Devin Sandoval, 16 shots. Um, uh, Rivas with 13 and Suggs with 11. Moreno and Brown with 10. And at that point, everyone's taking shots. But Devin, Devin kind of leads right now with shots. Sergio second. So when I scoot over to the goals and see Sergio with three goals, you know, and, and if you think about Sergio's goals, they've all been kind of on that first touch. Like it's been the ball kind of mm-hmm. being crossed in of some sort. Um, that's what we've, we've seen in almost every single instance, except for the one where he takes a shot by himself in Colorado. Um, but, mm-hmm. Moreno, but Moreno's got two, Brown and Bruce, Sandoval. Pretty much there's like so. four or five guys tied at two, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like... Again, it's it's like we're talking. It's like in previous seasons, it's not been this way. There's usually been one or two guys who've been like the front runners, who've been pretty much, um, you know, very much the clear person. So I guess my thought here and my question to you is, do you think this makes it hard for teams to really train for a specific individual to kind of, have coverage on because any given day it's any given guy on the team that's scoring goals. I don't know. I I think from open play, it gives some confidence to other teams saying, look, this guy's not beating us. If he's starting, we know he's not scoring goals. Like someone like Sandoval, he's got 21 shots, two goals. Clearly we're not doing a good enough job of getting him good shots or good chances. Even players like Brown and Moreno, only 10 shots through the amount of minutes they've got is not enough. So I think it's been pretty easy to sort of say, okay, these guys aren't creating. Let's key in on them, take them out of the game, someone else beats. Sometimes someone can. Other times we've seen no one be able to step up and do it. So I, from that point of view, it made it easier for them to sort of key in, taking the triggers out of them. But from a set-piece point of view, literally every single player on the field could be the one to put the ball in. And we've seen what, 10 or 11 different guys score from set pieces this year? It's been yeah. spectacular. Yeah, exactly. That, that makes it really hard to defend these set pieces. It's not, you know, like, for the U.S., if you watch a game, like, okay, I'm getting John Burks out of this play, and they're not going to score. For United, if you're not keying on every single person, marking everyone all the way back to the center backs, you're in a world of trouble because someone's going to find the ball and put it in the back of the net. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, and like I was kind of looking, and I kind of shifted from that point to like team stats. You know, um, mm. you know, 
the way it's going right now, I mean, we're we're six, five, and two, uh, you know, six in the wins, five in the loss, two in the draw, and it's like this kind of has that sort of feeling from like the first season, you know, where we were mm-hmm. pretty much splitting out the results. You know, there's not been anything clear. I mean, the wins have come at a time when they needed to come, but it's not quite hitting like 2020 right now. And, you know, this is just 13 appearances, right? This is like, but like, what, like we'd say just a little bit over a third of the season? Yeah. I mean, so it's like at this part of the season, and especially we like we just talked about these last five games. I mean, like it's it just seems like I, I think some of our questions aren't answered. Like I know that you and I have talked mm-hmm. offline, and I'm like, you know, I just don't. I couldn't really say that. I I can't really say that this particular rendition of the squad is top of the table or you know is like a group winner per se. Just because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, from fact, it's just we're not in, we're not on the top of the table. We're not playing this sort of lights out like like soccer that we need to be playing. And mm-hmm. having as many losses as we do wins, like it just to me, it just creates this thought in my mind of like, you know, are we going to be just squeaking by as like a number four team and then hope in the playoffs that we get the right team seated against it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's kind yeah. of early for the thoughts, but I mean, that's just me looking at it. It's like, we are not even like pulling out at least one point. Like we have lost five matches where we at least should have probably had a point in those matches. Well, in those last three matches we lost, we had halftime leads in every single one of them and the defense collapsed. So I think the, the operative question right now is how can we improve the consistency? Because there are flashes where they look great, but there are also times where it's just not good enough. And a single lapse is just creating massive problems for the team. So, I mean, it's fair to say that, like, the record, if done right, if we if we didn't at least pull the wins in those matches where we lost, it, it would mm-hmm. be six wins, five draws, two losses. And... Therefore, we would definitely have points in like the majority of what we played. Like that would be a mm-hmm. different thing, and I would be giving like a fully different message right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Those three. That's this last road trip in particular. If two of those matches end in draws instead of losses, I think we have a completely different conversation. I think we're talking about a really successful run of form and how United is at the top of the table for our division. But right now, we're not talking about that. Instead, we have all these questions about why these five losses have happened, why we're not seeing consistent performances or even consistent points. And it sucks to be in this position because this United team, I think that they have enough talent to be capable of more. Well, in, in some of the conversation, I mean, you've been listening to the, the pressers um, post-match is like, you know, Troy, is, he, he is very much saying like, hey, we're starting these matches off right. We're we're taking mm-hmm. the initiative. We're we've got leads through the first half, you know, and then from there, there's just this decision making, you know, that's that's happening, you know, and these other teams are just coming in, and you know, partly for me, I just feel like some of it is keeping teams in the match when we shouldn't be, like 
you know, I, one question I had asked Troy lately was, you know, how much of a concern is goal differential at this point? Because we seem to be giving up a bunch of goals. Like, is there a point when they're up that they're thinking about goals for? Like, hey, let's go ahead and put a few back. Like, are we thinking about it from the stat line or even just from the idea of, like, a team being hungry? I mean, Devin Sandoval's commented that, like, hey, you know, this last match with Charleston, they put a couple up. They felt like they could put a couple more up. But, I mean, we didn't put a couple more up, so it's kind of like the feeling is nice. But do you think that they got to get to a point of just going ahead and saying, hey, like, look, we notched we notched the goals? Because, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to come from a standpoint of, hey, I just want to see a lot of goals. I mean, I do want to see some defense. I do want to see some communication. But, I mean, there's something to be said about a team that's just, like, kind of winning off of – one, two, three sometimes goals, but then other times it's like it's not without like a little bit of like the struggle from the other team kind of coming back, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think that I would like to see a little bit more like ruthlessness from that. I think, you know, seeing goals is nice. I think what's even nicer is seeing we scored one, they're vulnerable, let's get two up or let's get three up. Let's try and push the issue, try and hit them while they're still running a little bit, try and get a second goal. And I don't, don't know to play their game or goals. They goals. If not, you know, they'll try and hold on to the lead as best they can. I think, you know, if you watched a lot of the Euros, England sort of had the same strategy of let's get an early goal and then turtle and bunker for the entire rest of the game. And it's really hard to defend for 88 minutes. And we saw England completely botched the Euro final doing this exact same thing. So I think there's something to be said for hitting, striking while the iron's hot and trying to score, you know, two or three goals in a 15-minute stretch instead of just, you know, hoping that later on you can get a second or that you're not going to concede because it's USL, you're going to concede. So let's dial into this, uh, these two, this two-pack of wins, Colorado Springs match, Haji Berry looking a little threatening. Um, I think you and I were definitely in a text thread there. Uh, there was a point when United was up 1-0. Colorado uh, equalized, right? And then all of a sudden, the mm-hmm. last like five minutes of the, the first half was like nothing but like switch back in and, you know, and a little bit of that, like that whack chili coming down like hard on us. Mm-hmm. I mean. I was. I remember yeah. texting you going, "Oh, they're coming back! It's they're coming in hard." Like, what do you think? Like, I mean, what was that five minutes for you? Like, what was that like? I, you know, they had this new formation that they had not played all year until that game, and basically through the first thirty minutes, I think we were texting about how good Sam Hamilton was as a center defensive mid, and just was destroying the entire switchbacks front line. And once he went out of the game. I think there was a little bit of a struggle to adapt to his loss and to not having him on the field because the back line really didn't seem to know what to do without his cover there. I think Azira sort of grew into the game and played better in the second half with the extreme caveat of the fact that we were up a man. But yeah, the end of that first half, it seemed to be a little bit sketchy and like they didn't quite know what to do without Sam Hamilton in front of them. Were, were the, do you think it, it was a little bit of a case of providence because it seems like the soccer gods were like, yo, Sam Hamilton is going to go all out tonight. But don't worry, he's playing center mid, not in the back mm-hmm. line, because we know 
y'all didn't think about having Schmidt in the substitution lineup. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, look, yeah. If Hamil, I thought about this. If Hamilton would have played the back line that night, right, and this mm-hmm. sort of thing would have happened. Okay, so they might have shifted someone, right? Maybe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think I believe Tete started, right? Yeah, he did. So I mean, worst case scenario, like they. I don't. I don't think we had. Did we have another person? Did we have Touche on the bench that night? I'm not sure if we did or not. I'd have to go back in and look at the roster selection here. But I, I don't know if we did. I don't think we did. I mean, most cases, whenever we're doing something in the back line, where we bring Schmidt in, we put Yearwood up like in the mid, and that's kind of the the play we're we're doing. But I'm just thinking like, I don't think we had another player that normally plays the back line in the, in the, the rotation that night. The good news is we, I don't, let me check the lineup. I have it right here. Um, Oh, come on. Google docs load. Touche was in the, was the center of, was in the bench. So the bench was Cholo, Sandoval, Illich, Touche, Azira, and then Nava. Okay. So we did have Touche available, but we did start four center backs. So if one goes down, you just sub on a midfielder and just keep going, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Hamilton's injury, if you think about it, came from the fact that they were doing everything that they could do to prevent a goal from coming coming in. And Mm -hmm. one of my concerns going in the Colorado Springs match was that, you know, in previous matchups – I always felt like Hamilton played kind of high and that Barry just loved to just come down the left channel on him because he knew like, Hey, he Mm -hmm. was playing a little bit more of an engaged press on me. All I got to do is get by this guy. You know, I felt like Mm -hmm. Hamilton was a little bit, I think that it was smart for Troy to really put him in the mid because he knew like, Hey, you're really defensive. You just can't track back maybe on this cat. So we're going to just put you in the mid. And then have Tete, someone who obviously maybe has a little bit more pace or at least can kind of, you know, give what what Hamilton can give there. It was like duplicating Hamilton, right? It was like it yeah. was like it was like double ham and cheese right there. If if I could, <laughs> if I if I could throw it down that way, it was it was everything that it needed to be. Um, I, I hated to see Hamilton go down and to and to know that there was this fibula fracture where. You know, they're saying like he could come back by the end of the season, you know, and, and maybe the thought process there is, hey, go ahead and rest up. We're going to become we're going to at least get to the playoffs. We could really utilize mm-hmm. you at that point. Yeah, no, I, I think that that is the strategy at this point. I actually was really shocked when I saw that lineup because it was very clearly the most defensive lineup we could put out there. We had essentially four center backs on the field, with Hamilton being pushed into the midfield. We essentially played two center defensive mids as wingers and basically just dropped packed people behind the ball as much as we could when we needed to. It was very much – it was not a highly high-press, go-out, win-the-ball, high-of-the-field system. It was a – these three guys are really fast, and they will beat us if we're not careful. So everyone on the field has to be able to defend and drop in if we have to. Yeah, I mean, it was good for it was good to see Troy like basically go look like, you know, 
these guys got a lot of pace. First time we came in, we were able to steal one. You know, second one, okay, oof, you know, like these guys are really fast. You know what I mean? Like he definitely, mm-hmm. they definitely did prepare on a defensive front. You know, mm-hmm. and 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 the lineup itself was just very interesting too. I mean, you know, we're able to get a lot going from that that lineup, that that particular forming of it. And we had we had Brown up as a striker, right? So we thought, mm-hmm. hey, they're going to put some balls overhead. You know, he's going to ha- be fed from a couple different sides. It's going to look nice. But that isn't a lot of what happened from that formation. Um, mm-hmm. We really weren't able to truly take advantage of that sort of play because I think it was just some sort of thing happening between where we were running the balls maybe towards the – the the final third in the middle like we just needed to win it higher mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was ever the plan to win it higher though i think the plan was to try and sort of win it back and try and get forward as fast as possible because the lineup if you look at it the most interesting tactical decision from lasane there was his center back play mm-hmm. he basically man marked each of the front three of colorado and aired them to try and beat the man marking which worked out for us because the wingbacks were able to crash down the center defensive mids were able to crash down but then you've got seven guys behind the ball essentially you're not trying to win it high up the field and get break out there you're trying to you know maybe catch them high up the field while you've got a good passing center back on the ball and break out from there with some Mm -hmm. speedy players like brown up front It, it was not the normal united that we're used to seeing it was definitely a lineup and some tactics that respected how fast and how skilled Colorado's front three are. Yeah. And I mean, I know you, you, you definitely made a point to, to, to talk about the formation a little bit more deeper. Like, I mean, how much did you like that three, four, three compared to the three, five, two we've been running most of the season? I like it. I, I think that it takes advantage of United strengths a little bit more. I know we like running sort of the two striker, let one play off the other system, but I'm not really sure it sort of fits our striker personnel or really plays our midfielders to their strengths. We're instead in this formation seeing our attacking mid getting an extra attacking midfielder onto the field. And we've seen, you know, you pulled up the stats. Our attacking midfielders are creating far more chances than our strikers. So we're getting more player on the field who's creating chances. We're also getting another player on the field who's a more solid defender. So we're not relying on two strikers to defend. We have essentially ten guys on the nine guys on the field who can defend with a goalkeeper. So I, mean, I, I think it works, yeah. Well, and I mean, like, how do you describe this sort of, like, personnel? I mean, the strikers that we have, we don't have guys that are, like, boom, phantom quick. We've got guys that are, like, big bodies, like, good for a lot of the aerial duel type of, of attributes. But, like, when it comes to, like, pace on the pitch, like, these aren't going to be guys like Haji Berry or... You know what I mean? Like, or um, yeah. in Galena, like they're just not going to be guys that are out front like that. And that sometimes I wonder if that hurts us um, just because of the type of competition that we play against. Because, you know, if there's no creativity coming out of the front like that, like if they're really dependent on what the guys underneath are doing and the guys underneath aren't having a game, then it just really puts us in a bind. And I, I just wanted to know, like, or I wanted to get your take on on even some of those struggles we're having, um, you know, let alone uh, defensive struggles. Yeah, I, I think we're seeing 
I think in this formation, we're taking advantage of our striker strengths a little bit more. They're, you know, essentially true number nines. We're allowing one player to play up top and say, everyone try and get the ball to them and let them get a, you know, a free header or a free ball in the box where we work the ball to them. They're essentially, they're not going to beat someone with pace. You don't want them to take six, seven touches before scoring. You want, you know, one, two touches and in. And I think this formation sets us up a little bit better to do that. I think Sandoval specifically has shown that that's his true position and he's like a true number nine. So I think this takes a little bit better advantage of them. How saying that, Amando Moreno, I don't think fits into that system very well. Into the which into what this into the this four three three system. I, I, I don't think that he's really a winger. I don't really think that he's a target striker. He's more of a second striker who plays off a big striker, which is why we run that two striker system. So right. I yeah, I, I think that this is sort of a formation to deal with the lack of Moreno and to try and bring some more creativity into the roster. Yeah, it's an excellent take because I mean Troy is definitely known to like like mechanize some lineups. You know, he like last season, you know, a lot of guys were playing right back and center back that hadn't played any minutes in the back line before. And then he's you know, it makes me think about like match about like the matchbox factory, like we're we're making cars up in here, you know what I mean? And like and that's that's a lot of what's happening and yeah, you know, I, and I honestly was kind of like kind of like on both sides of the fence about that i was like well why don't we just sign someone who plays that position like let's not put poor daniel bruce in the back line as as a right back because we didn't think about what you know the possibilities that evening you know what i mean because we've been known Mm -hmm. to do some some wild stuff like that you know i mean and and when we when we pull it out it's great when we don't it's obvious um but you know, so let's shift to defensive struggle. Then I mean, you—that was one of the things. There is like, why are we struggling so much on defense in the second half? I don't know. I don't know if it's fatigue. I I don't know if positionally we're struggling a little bit as the game wears on. If teams are starting to figure us out a little bit, I have commented before on the lack of tenacity from the midfield and from the wingbacks on defense in the second half. I think that that's a huge problem. There's been more than one instance where a goal has been created because some guy in the midfield or the back line has an acre of space in front of him, hits a 50-yard diagonal for a goal. Um, and that's just that's just laziness on the part of our midfielders and wingbacks to press the ball. The back line, though, has had some struggles with dealing with trailing runners. They've struggled to sort of shift to the right position. They kind of find themselves rotated and out of position a little bit too easily. It's just... I think it's just a little bit of positional awareness letting us down. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've talked about it. Like, it's just, they give so much terrain. I mean, United Mm -hmm. plays the ball from the back, sends it over the top. Most of the time we seem to just save ourselves running through the mid a lot. I would love to see Mm -hmm. us advance the ball more on the ground. Like, I think that we just do this sort of surface to air thing a lot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's not hitting, it's one thing. But again, like we yeah. give teams, we give teams the ground. Like El Paso, mm-hmm. we give them the ground. We let them advance on the ground. We let mm-hmm. them do that. And I'm just like, that would be something I would like to see to be different. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just feel yeah. like I feel like the ways we struggle is like we go up that goal, 
and we're like, all right, we're up. Now we're really a very defensive minded team. Let's just mm. close them out for like 80 minutes. And I'm like, you can't do that. Like, no, you can't. You that can't. never works. Yeah. You Unless can't you're willing that. to really, really stretch the clock and milk the injuries and play the CONCACAF. Not gonna do that. You're not gonna time waste that time off the clock. So and, we, and we're and not we that don't. team. Yeah, and we don't do that. Right? Yeah. You saw that in the Charleston battery match as we even moved to that. Like there was like minimally any stoppage time in that match. It went mm. so fast. Like it was like true to form. Um so let's talk about that match. This was supposed to be a a black and yellow derby. However, they came out in like this sort of what was it like? yellow candy stripes with like red numbers on a white pit top <laughs> sort of thing. Like, I mean, totally blew the, the storyline for sombrero man. I mean, I was like, <laughs> but like, this is not even a true black and yellow Derby to start, you know, um, you know, going into this match, right? Like all the theatrics were there. Zach Prince, um, Azira, um, Troy Lassane, all being, you know, like, alumnus of Charleston Battery, there was definitely going to be some emotion coaching against your squad. It definitely, to me, had, I'm going to say it, it had that Gordon Bombay and sort of the Hawks vibe to it, right? Like, or if you watch Game Changers, it had that Gordon Bombay and uh, the newer Ducks vibe. So, like, going from the top, um, Charleston Battery, like, Let's talk about that match a little bit. Um, what did you like going into that match, talking about these theatrics with players and coaches being at the club and and then the whole Monday night football thing at that? Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, just speak on that. <laughs> I, you know, Charleston back to those teams having grown up in Chattanooga, which is two hours from Atlanta, two hours from Nashville. It's just a historic team for me. They're a team that I've seen play so many matches against Atlanta United, have seen them play matches against Nashville before. And they're just a team that I like seeing play and like seeing players who played there play more matches because I know the pedigree they have and the reputation they have in USL and in Southeast specifically is great. They're a great club and I love seeing them play. So having a chance to welcome them and knowing that United is sort of founded with this Charleston battery history just sort of makes for a great atmosphere. It makes for almost a, like a rivalry between the two coaches to see what Troy's learned and if he can put it into practice a little bit. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm always happy to welcome teams like that out to Albuquerque and see how they do. As for the Monday night football thing, I'm so jealous. I couldn't have been there. You know, the curse with their awesome cook off tailgate with professional chefs, the mon whole Monday night football environment was perfectly done. At least from my view, he's I wish I could have made it all the way up to Albuquerque for it. Super Bowl rings from from former Cowboys greats. I mean, I'm not a Cowboys mm -hmm. fan, but you can't deny a Super Bowl ring up in the house. Oh yeah, no, it, it's it, that sort of thing. It adds for it makes for a great atmosphere and sort of brings all of Albuquerque together and gives them a reason to come out on a random Monday night for a United game. So I'm all for that and hope to see United do more stuff like that in the future. So. How would you rate the match with Charleston Battery? I mean, obviously, when we played Loudoun United, we didn't quite have 
the result we wanted against the Eastern Conference teams. Right now, we're like one and one, right, against the mm-hmm. the the Eastern Conference. Um, playing this match, I thought was definitely good. Um, you know, it 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 kind of I felt like it played a little bit like a friendly though. I don't know why. Like it didn't seem yeah. like that normal that normal heat, that way we play against teams. It seems like, hey, we're going to give you a difficult match, but we're not going to play you the way we normally would. Like, I mean, you know, I needed Troy to be done wrong or something, like to kind of, you know, for us to like kind of go into this this team. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. wasn't, there a, wasn't there a point? Was this the match? Because my, my, my memory is fogging me a little bit. Was this the match where... <laughs> Where Charleston scores and then they came over and did the like ear thing to the fans. Was this was that it, one or was, was that was it the Colorado? It might have been. It might have been that first oh, goal they scored to equalize. Yeah, you're right. Because I mean, yeah, you, I think you're right on that. I think it was Colorado. Yeah, I think. You um, right but I I can't remember. They're all starting to blur together a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they are. I need to. I need to check the scoreline. What the heck was this? I mean, I'm, you know, it was a two-one game. Um, United scored in the fifteenth and the fifty-second, and Charleston equalized in between. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It was when the Charleston goal was scored um, against United that mm-hmm. the player came over and he did the "I can't hear you" bit and. You know, I could I could be wrong, but I could have swore it was that one because it was like, oh, I know why it was because like, you know, it's like it's a it's an organization that Troy coached at. You wouldn't think that maybe that would come up, but I mean, like the players, they're like, you know, it happens. Like it happens in the game. Yeah. It's nothing. There's nothing new about it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I thought it was it was in good fashion. Um, you know, obviously, fans want to. Mm-hmm. You know, they they want to be upset because they think it should be a certain way. But I, I thought it was good for theatrics. You know. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fun game. I I would like to see more of a rivalry develop between Battery and United. I think that that would be really cool. It'd give us an Eastern Conference team that we're connected to. The Eastern Conference is a little bit more historic in USL, so give us that connection over to them and sort of build more of this club legacy as a really young squad and a really young organization. So yeah, I'm all for stuff like that. Trash talk away. We'll 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 dish it right back out. Yeah, I mean, well, on Charleston Battery, like, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, looking at the standings right now, um, you know, they've played eleven games. They're like four, four, and three, you know, and they're they're sitting like two underneath like the top four, you know. So they got their own battles cut out with them and like Charlotte Independence, if you will. Like, you know, they definitely we're a team mm-hmm. looking to, to get a win, right, to have a result on the road. And, of course, you know, who doesn't want to upset someone who coached there who left? I mean, the, the theatrics play in both sides, right? I mean, and and it's been a little while. So glad Troy could get the win. Glad there was a little bit of that sort of emotion. Because, I mean, it was like we were up. It was drawn, and then there was like, oh, no. Like, are we going to win or mm. are we going to give another one away, <laughs> you know, and uh, and gl- glad it, it turned out yeah. the way it, it, it needed to. Um, 
last yeah. thoughts last thoughts so uh or on that match so Raiden gets his first at the lab we talked about that he talked about the electricity mm-hmm. of the fans going off and how great it was to score at the lab because he he'd been wanting to do it i don't think anyone mm-hmm. had, had picked Raiden to score that i looked into the uh, seek and strike uh king of chaos kings of chaos first strike contest and not a one had chose Raiden because I don't think anyone saw that coming as like the first oh, goal no. to come to come in. And yeah, you know, and and of course Devin Sandoval, like, you know, with the with the late Shin Shin Tapper, like I was really glad that just rolled in because you know Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a well worked goal. I actually I specifically took I took the chance chance to rewind that goal and watch it like two or three times because I was curious about what happened. It was a really well taken goal by Sandoval. They worked it up the field instantly and did a good job of breaking down a really defensive Charleston team. Yeah, I mean that goal, twelve shots, eight on target. Like that's a really good mm-hmm. night for United. That's a really good yeah, night for United. Those are not normally numbers they put up, and I think part of it is that it's a good chance to see a team who doesn't play a way the, the same way that we see from a lot of teams in our division. United, uh, Charleston plays a really defensive 4-4-2, but they can also get into a 4-4-2-4 and get multiple numbers forward and get a really high line going. And it's just a good test against a team that likes to sit back and likes to you know hit you on the counterattack, which I don't think a lot of teams in our division really do as much. We've seen that mainly from Loudoun and from Charleston. So it's a good it's a good way to mix it up, see something new, see how we respond to tactics that aren't what we're used to seeing. Yeah, and I mean that's really good for us because United's not like you we're saying like like it is normal for them to take twelve shots. I yeah I don't like it personally, and then the reason why I don't like it is because it, there's so much control on the shots being taken that it really comes down to like the shots on target. Like for me, mm-hmm. when I watch these matches, it's like, okay, I like 12 and eight when it produces two goals. I don't like 12 and eight on target when like it's one goal, you know, or no, no goals because it's like, you think like, okay, the more shots should be the more chances for a goal to go through. You know, mm-hmm. you got a team like Charleston, takes eight shots and one on target and it's the one that goes in you know what i mean like like they have a better like that there's something going on there um we did well i mean we passed the ball a lot that night you know i'm sure we did Mm -hmm. that once we were dominating possession we were definitely trying to keep things like from really being like out there um for the most part we were physical we had 17 fouls that game we're definitely a team that's like conceding the fouls partly to try to throw other teams off of their game a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, but again, like they did well, like United did well against Charleston. Like I think Charleston didn't really do themselves a favor by drawing a red card, like in like the final moments of the match, like that doesn't set you up well for having to go back into like league play with like whatever mm-hmm. you're Whatever you're they did beat Hart- They did beat Hartford tonight three one. So they, oh, okay. they did capitalize on that opportunity, and that puts them a little higher up in the table too. <laughs> so. 
well well then see there you go you're like hey it was worth it <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean charleston they they sat back but they also gave a good challenge they showed themselves well i i i, I think that they were more than happy to let us take shots and i think we we're more than happy to take them but we've got to do better at converting those chances i'm happy to see us put two in one again comes off a free kick but the other one i mean they basically we basically hit them when they were there at their weakest point because they had four guys forward in their four-two-four, and Tim Bacchus takes a goal kick before they're set and catches them out of position, and we're able to work it up and through and put one in when they have a few numbers back. And that's how you beat a team like that who's going to sit back on you. And I don't think we've seen that all year to this point. So I'm happy to see us finally do something to break down a team like that and take advantage of our skills. I think that it's worth discussing just how great our wingback play has been recently because Daniel Bruce was really great on that goal playing inverted. Actually, I think he and Suggs inverted for a second there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, we, we got to give a little praise to the wingbacks. I mean, there's so much movement there. I mean, especially with Swartz being out with that lower back injury, you know, we're, we're definitely looking towards mm -hmm. Bruce and we're looking towards Suggs to produce a little bit there, you know, and, you know, on the, on the other half of this segment, we'll talk a little bit about Christian Nava and what that, what that's going to bring obviously, but yeah, definitely much praise to, to the wingbacks on that one. Um, you ready to go to break? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We're going to go to this break. Um, during the time you'll be listening to cousin Feo uh, and Kior Meteor, uh, the song, is Cantona off the album A Little Caviar. This is a special shout out to Anthony. Uh, hope you enjoyed this track. We're going to a break and we'll be right back. The ugly side of Eric Cantona's Yo, hey yo, called up my mans and told him the plan's broken. He been ten toes down. I called him Sam Perkins. He was bagging the work while I was working on these rap verses. Trying to have this game on lock, just like the black Persian. Amongst crack merchants, hustling with trap permits. A mad circus, fiends fidgeted and mad nervous. Rap slurking, my dogs watching some cats searching. Young thugs be carrying guns, off various drugs because they lack purpose. A lot of foresight, a lot of cats with the guards tighter, the fans worship. A rap sermon will pack churches, I'm that certain. Enemies camped out like they laying in tents. But I sleep easy knowing that they hated the best And pray for the rest Rep the western state of the left A product of the hard lessons I love hanging with vets I'm taking it next
All right, all right. Well, we're back from that break. Uh, Thomas, let's get into a little bit of some some other business here before we talk about uh, the upcoming matches. Um, I kind of called this one Other Things Involving United. So let's talk about Nava Mania and the Rise of Academia. It kind of has a little bit of that He-Man vibe. But like, uh, so Christian Nava got in for a little bit. You and I specifically talked about this like the last episode we talked we said will it things get to a point where united has to tap into the academy and granted i'm not saying that they're they're not down and out but essentially we wondered if it would get to a point where troy would really consider these these academy players that signed those first team contracts if we would see them this season or not, and we surely saw Christian Nava, he came out, um, you know, subbed into the match. It was we want Nava, we want Nava, like solid. What did you think about his initial minutes? Um, and uh, yeah, and and just your your overall take of like Troy, um, you know, bringing up some academy players into the first team. I love. Three in the academy players in. This is something that's been a theme of the season in USL. We'll talk about players like Diego Luna and Jose Gallegos in the next section when we talk about teams we're going to play against. But also player like um, Jonathan Gomez at Louisville City FC, who's you know lighting up USL. These are players who are academy products who have been brought through and are giving chances as at a really young age and producing. And that's a pretty recent development for USL besides those MLS two teams that we're not really going to even consider right now, but it's a good development for USL. If USL really wants to take that jump, these teams need to start developing talent and producing the, the minutes to show what they've got so they can, you know, sell them and keep doing good business because that's the way soccer is going in America right now. Play the kids, develop them, give, give sell them for a profit and see what the next kids got. And I think Nava has a lot of potential. I thought he played great in his opening game. It was the perfect game to play him in. You're up a man, you're chasing a goal, see what he's got, see if he can provide a spark. And I think he really did. I think that he was really dangerous. He looked good going forward. He had that crazy backhill nutmeg flick that mm -hmm. sort of electrified the curse. That was insane. I love that. I want to see more of him. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely do want to see him like kind of break out. Um, that that to me will be will be really interesting. Um, mm. So he comes in, you know, people are on their feet, crowds just so energized. Um, you know, I thought he was going to actually have a shot on goal that night. Hmm. I thought he was unlucky one shot. I'm pretty sure that was deflected, but it goes down as a really horrible miss for him where he just completely almost missed the field entirely. Um, but he looked like he was going to get a shot on goal. Just never materialized. Right, right. And so then so then the other, the Charleston Battery match, Nava's on the, the score sheet again. Like, he's on there. And then so is Andres Robles. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, because another question we asked Troy, and I, f I feel like, I feel like every single time I've asked, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick. Hang on. 
All right. So like <laughs> literally, okay. So literally, like I remember asking Troy, I said, Hey, Troy, do you think you guys ought to like put the opponent in front of the curse like on the second half? And he he kind of made a joke and he said, You know, I wish it was something as simple as that. And he kind of laughed it off or something like, Oh, I don't think we really think about that. And then the next match, the opponent is like playing in front of the curse. And uh and then here we ask, we say, hey, do you think it's going to be time for the academy players? And he says, yes, if earned. And if it's their time, then sure. And then all of a sudden we see Nava. And then we ask, all right, well, so now that Nava's played once, like, right, you heard the questions. like, And so, like, now that yeah. Nava's played once, like, how does this open the door for, like, the other players? And he's like, well, if earned. Like, then they'll get a chance to. And then we see two academy players. Like, you know, and I know that injury is playing a part. Amando not being around is playing a part. But, I mean, how great is it to have seen two? They didn't, now, nobody didn't get to play. And the fans definitely were not happy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, they, they <laughs> wave, wave, they wave the carrot in front of the fans' face with Nava and then he didn't play and all I heard was we uh, want Nava we want Nava and then when Nava didn't come in people were like man forget you and like there wasn't this this bunch of, of fans up front but <laughs> I mean I don't know man like they're you know like yeah it might, I, it might get a little crazy <laughs> I think it's yeah I, I don't know I think that you know part of this is the unknown is always better than the known and so we've seen everyone on the roster, seen what they can do, and the kids provide this sort of unknown spark. Their potential to impact a game is just so great right now, and we haven't seen them not do it, so we might as well try them out and see if they've got the spark we need. The curse wanting to see those young guys play. I'm used to this covering U.S. soccer, too. We're always going after the latest 17-year-old and saying, that guy's got to start. He's better than X player who's been playing for 10 years. <laughs> Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're not. I tend to err on the side of caution, but this year for United, I'm kind of sort of throwing caution to the wind and saying, let's see what they got. Um, so far, in Nava's one appearance, it was good enough to sort of ask that question. But guys, we have Robles who can come in and maybe provide more of a tad that, though, I'm pretty sure that if you're going to put them in, it shouldn't be in the last 20 minutes when you're trying to close out a two-win against Charleston. Right. You've clearly given up on going forward. So I, I understand that decision. If he's going to put a player like that in, he's got to use that 60th minute substitution window before you're really giving up on going forward. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like, so that's, that's one thought here. And then um, we touched on it a little bit in the other half, but like, but like the Monday night football, the promotional factors, like, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Johnson, like popping up, like on the cameo, like, I mean, what, what was your, what was your take? This is a, this is like a kind of a fun segment, but like, what was your take of hearing Keyshawn Johnson like announcing New Mexico United matches? I mean, that's great. I mean, we've seen this in MLS too. Mark Ingram called a little bit of a DC United match, and there was a red card during it, and he's he was electric when I listened to that, and hearing Keyshawn Johnson pop up and start commenting on a game too. It's cool to see these former NFL players or current NFL players who are really good guys, like give their take on soccer and 
sort of provide a we're not used to seeing what they are and it's just sort of a sign of the game growing in albuquerque and in the u.s specifically and i like it i, I think it's fun holly holmes make an appearance on the friday night match against switchbacks we saw the cast of better call saul there as well that stuff's just great holly holmes was even capoing the curse for a while that's cool yeah. i like that <laughs> yeah yeah that is that is awesome actually um yeah, I mean, United is definitely trying to change it up a little bit, right? So, you know, speaking to our, our listeners, you know, if you, you've been going to the matches, you know, definitely when you're listening to this episode, hit us up, you know, hit us up on whatever social media you follow. If you follow on Facebook, drop your comments, you know, things that you liked about um, what United is doing promotional-wise or maybe your comments on the Charleston Battery or Colorado Springs match even. Um, mm-hmm. If you're on Instagram, I'll post a graphic of me and Thomas sitting here uh, recording so you can like drop your comments on that when you see it um but yeah we're, we're really <laughs> interested in your takes um you know mm-hmm. uh, on, yeah. on tonight's, tonight's app um what do we got next oh uh supporters energy let's talk about this one you were in the house on friday night um i know i have commented on this the previous three matches the energy i felt was a little like kind of hit or miss the the stadium i'll say this has not been a difficult place to play in uh, for teams this season but what did you think about the supporters energy the match that you were in the house given the rain delay and all i you know it's it's a friday night match you can't get off work early you can't spend six hours tailgating beforehand I, I get that affects it i would like to see a little bit more energy and maybe some variety out of the curse i feel like it's still a young organization and you know i've had my share of critiques of supporter sections in the past so i will try and stay away from that as much as possible but you know <laughs> um getting getting some you know variety of chance so getting energy involvement from everyone trying to get the rest of the crowd to play off of you. It's, it's really important to creating that atmosphere. And when a supporter section does it really well, it's noticeable and the crowd is really in the game and makes it a fortress to play in. When the team is not doing it well, it shows people start the wave and, you know, yes, the wave. (laughs) You have this sort of very chill atmosphere. I, I thought the, the curse was a little bit louder from my seats in 105 than they had been in like 118 in recent matches. So I was sort of happy to see that, but I don't know. I, I, I like chant variety. I like stuff that's sort of more local and I feel like the stuff that I'm hearing out of the curse is stuff that heard in every MLS and USL stadium I've ever been to. Yeah. The, the chants are all about the same. It seems like, I mean, I've heard them so much. Sometimes you hear unique ones. From clubs and that's mm-hmm. that's always interesting what did you say the other mm-hmm. day you said um can't keep a crowd bored <laughs> yeah i mean you you, you got to provide them with something i i think very easy stuff that is call and response is really good and sort of keeps the crowd in the game um and, and really helps you like the viking clap i i've heard a bunch of teams do that and it yeah when it's done well like i don't know if you've ever been to a game in mercedes-benz stadium but no. if you go down to Atlanta, they do the Viking Clap ATL, and they get 45,000 people going on it. And it it booms around that stadium. Like, it echoes two or three times before it dies out. It, wow. It's cool and provides sort of, like, this really nice atmosphere that is intimidating. Um, but 
at the same time, you've, you've, you know, just keeping stuff going, keeping the drums going when you don't really have a chant to go. It, it's a growth, it's a growth process. You'll right. see if the United gets their own stadium, as people get more used to it, show up to more matches, that the crowd will get a little bit more into the game. Okay. There's always a sort of this growing pains phase. Um, having said that, I fully expect all of you guys hear me in front of the American Outlaws in September to give me hell for it because I'll be up there leading the American Outlaws on September 5th in Nashville, and I'm sure people will have comments and criticisms for me too. So <laughs> fully know how hard it is to do with the curse and have all the respect for them. Nice. Um, any hot takes out there? Speaking of, of, of the hotness coming from the stands, um, Facebook is always a place I love to go to when I get home. I just love to just bask in all of the leads that are, that are there. I feel like in the winds lately, I haven't seen anything, but have you seen anything? Have you seen like just any sort of, wild theories or comments or anything or i mean i think the only thing i thought was a funny hot take was folks talking about devin sandoval's like horsepower or uh mph with like without his dreads or something as if like like you took the time to type this up i just thought it was comical <laughs> yeah book is always for stuff like that you know uh, there were some comments from Charleston adapting for their master for this last summer, making fun of Charleston for having to go for Albuquerque game and how that had to have been hell on them. And I, th- I thought that was a really fun take of like, enjoy the altitude suckers. Like, you're not used to this at all. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta watch. I, the Facebook is always very interesting. Um, I didn't really see anything, but it's always the typical, you know, someone wants to fire the coach and it's like, everyone should be a sub. Like no one should start matches anymore. And, you know, and yeah, I, you know? yeah. Fan bases get like this where it's sort of, I'm really angry that the specific group of 11 didn't perform. So that means everyone on the bench has to be better. Which yeah. Yeah. It's not is the way the, that it goes. Yeah, and that's the hot take because it's like, yo, really? Um, Amanda Moreno yeah. in the gold, uh, Amanda Moreno in the gold cup, dude. Like, um, we spoke a little bit about it. Like El Salvador, like doing well. Like, you know, when I sit in the press, they're, in, they're through to the next round. If they get yeah. a point, they're gonna win their group. They're gonna beat Mexico out for first in their group. I mean, they're looking good, dude. Like. You know, I think mm. usually when you think about your team, your player going to a team, unless it's like one of the prominent squads, you're like, oh, we'll probably see this guy back in a couple of weeks. But they're actually doing something really nice here. And uh, yeah, you and I, we, I mean, we saw this last match, man. Moreno almost like got himself like on the score sheet for a goal, but he did. Did he get credited for that assist? Or did oh, that he didn't. not necessarily? He didn't, right? Because. It- no, because of the insane, just completely CONCACAF sequence that followed his shot. So that shot, yeah, if you didn't get a highlight of it, shot. yeah, he, he, he 
He shoots it, it deflects off the keeper, hits the right post, hits the left post, bounces back out, is partially cleared, lands at the feet of an El Salvador player sliding in, who whiffs and hits it diagonal to the goal, and it's finally put in by someone else. So whoever whiffed on that chance is credited with the assist to the goal. <laughs> and the best part about it is the guy who came in to make to score the goal was the sixth sub of the match for a concussion sub, the first time that's ever happened at the Gold Cup. Right. It was it was a great shot by Moreno to create the chance, but then every fouled after that was wild. Yeah, right. Um so we've talked a little bit about these things. Anything else going on in sports, Thomas, that you want to drop out? I know we talked a little bit before we started here. The day was a little wild. Vela had a Galazzo. Um what what other things kind of happened today? What other matches did you watch that uh yeah, I, I tried to catch up on my MLS today. Um, the MLS, if you've not watched a lot of it, is just a wild league, and today was no exception. Um, we had FC Cincinnati head on the road to Montreal with several of the players not available because they weren't vaccinated. And Cincinnati, in true form to them, blew a 4-2 lead to, leave, to lose 5-4 five, five, to Montreal in a wild game. Nashville goes and follows that up with Haney Mukhtar, scoring three goals in the first 16 minutes to beat Chicago Fire 5-1. We had Atlanta drop a usual stinker. They've got some major problems going on with Joseph Martinez there. And we even had San Jose Earthquakes coach Miss Almeida's translator get a red card in their match today with their backup goalkeeper serving as the emergency translator for the players on the field because Almeida doesn't actually speak any English. So... Wild day in American soccer. If you missed it, you got to catch some MLS. It's it's always fun. I always enjoy watching games. Um, so yeah, that that's what I was doing for most of my day today. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, we're gonna take another quick break. Uh, Thomas just wrapped us up in our miscellaneous section. No, we're not sure what we're gonna call that. We're gonna have to call that something here soon. That might be uh, from the God in of the gods, something along those lines. <laughs> Um, um, but uh, so we're going to hit another break. Got to give a shout out to PJ Hess. Got to give a shout out to Carl out in Georgia. Thanks for your support. Uh, we're going to play a little bit more Cousin Feo. Uh, this song is also from A Little Caviar. This song is Thierry Henry uh, for all you Thierry Henry fans out there. And uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to preview the next match. So enjoy a little Cousin Feo and we'll be back. You know, I, I, we, I guess, we were all used to see, like, strikers in the box, waiting for crosses, being efficient, by the way. But for me, when I, when I grew up and I saw uh, George Wells, Romario, the original Romario, all those guys, they ch changed the game for, for the number one. And, and that's how I wanted to play. I make moves like I'm Terry Henry. Terry, your top three, I'm declaring on raw beats. Only gold with the flow, be the rarest of Sean P. Now there's derelicts with merits, inherit to brawn beef. They stare at the swap meet, they daring to pop heat. My parents cannot sleep, not a care on beyond reach. Off the rarest of bomb trees, it's parents, my mom's please. Couldn't fare or compare to the call of the concrete. Now, that said, I've been preparing for long weeks. The flow is fresh air, fresh pair under God's feet. The accurate, the first touch is immaculate. First up, I'm attacking it, word. 
Burn up, let's burn up a couple blunts while I'm smashing it. And this is verse one, but the work is an average kid. Yep. You working for averages, your verse is inadequate. Yep. Hit him with the force of swing swords like a mannequin. The rhyme talker lifted off the skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Word. Check it. Yeah, watch now, now. Now watch me put it in the top corner. Shout out my hustlers worldwide for the top up? corners. I'm on we and O2. That means the top scorer. So it's a blessing when you stepping in the guard's aura. I just want more of these stock options to get the block popping. Draws dropping like the raw rocket. As well as being a fantastic finisher, Henri has obviously got a role to play in advising the younger players. Just look at this this crafty little word he has. Very neat, this, as uh, Fabregas is being interviewed after the game. Smart stuff. Were you fouled for the Liverpool goal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Probably was, yeah. That's why I went on the fight. That's what you need in your team, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And we're back from our break. Lastly... Jumping into the previews, um, United obviously had a weekend off this week. Um, it was nice. I'm sure everyone is doing well. I think I saw uh, Devin went to a park. Devin Sandoval went to a park today, enjoyed a little family time. Harry Swartz popped up somewhere. They're all doing something. Uh, lately, I think they went to Top Golf. If you are following United social media, things got a little wild there, a little happy Gilmore action. Like we found out probably that. Brandon Morris is probably the the best golfer of the bunch. Um, I, I would definitely like to see more of the outtakes there. Um, but let's get into um, the the last part of this podcast. Uh, let's preview San Antonio and El Paso locomotive. Um, we got a a Texas twosome uh, this week. Let's talk a little bit about San Antonio. I did see that they played. Colorado Springs switchbacks today. I watched that one. Um, San Antonio uh, came out with the win, had a pretty hyped uh, three-goal first-half performance, managed to um, to keep switchbacks from leveling. Um, what, what are your thoughts going into the match with San Antonio? It's going to look a little different this time. My understanding is that players that were injured the first time around or back now. And the only curiosity still is whether Patino is back. He was out with an injury today. Um, but um, what what things do United have to consider going into this match with San Antonio? I mean, especially with like a, a, um, um, a regenerated lineup. I, it's going to be a really difficult match. The San Antonio team has some defensive talent. They've got some really good offensive talent. Last time we played them, I thought we did pretty well to... Oh, remind me again, what was the score of that match? Was it... Did we put in... Like, was it 3-0 or something like that? Or was it the 1-0 game? I'm pulling it up right now. That match against San Antonio was the... 2-0 game. 2-0. Okay, yeah. No, I thought in that match that San Antonio looked really dangerous, especially Jose Gallegos, who's their really young phenom. Um, so they clearly have attacking threats, especially if they're healthier lineup coming against us. So 
we're going to have to play well defensively. We'll have to see them be a little bit more defensively sound if they want to come away with three more points against San Antonio. Because that team can play. If they drew two penalties tonight, so we know they've got attacking talent. We know that Colorado Springs is also not allowed defensively to get those two penalties and grab a third goal in the first half shows just how dangerous they can be when given time and space with the ball. You would be you would be hard to believe that the win that they got today in, in Colorado was their first road win of the season. Yeah, I that doesn't I feel like San Antonio should be having a better season than they're having. Yeah, I mean, I think that literally not having Patino and then having injuries like they mm. were they were plagued with injuries for like the very beginning of the season like mm. um like some of their quality heads were like just not there like um yeah you know such a different San Antonio team so to say but um i was just looking at um some of the post game stuff for for San Antonio um and it seems like the the things that really helped them obviously like their resilience was was pretty huge. Um, they had Matthew Duplanier. He was supposed to start mm-hmm. and then in warmups and he couldn't. So then all of a sudden they had to put in Chris Lima, like literally like minutes before the kickoff. And um, but their other guy, uh, mm-hmm. Nathan Faga, Faga, uh, was it Fagaka? I believe it is. Like he's the one who really kind of came up for San Antonio today. He's got a lot of pace. Um, watching the match against Colorado, mm-hmm. I mean, I think where San Antonio thrived in that match just off the bat was like they were in a, a 4-2-3-1, and so their back four really did a good job kind of containing um, Colorado Springs, really kind of having, you know, the right sort of man coverage. I think they were doubling whenever uh, Colorado Springs was coming on the flanks, and then, I mean, they just had that Nathan player who was not – playing up top he was playing as one of the two and he was just getting in, in dangerous spaces mm-hmm. yeah no and seeing them beat switchback like that shows you I mean, we've struggled with switchbacks this year they've got the defensive talent to ha- to you know take a team out of the game and they didn't even play Liam Doyle tonight Liam Doyle is probably one of my favorite USL center backs I've seen him play far too many games over the last few years and I really like him as a really big, strong center back who is excellent in the air and can really close down a space really well. So not seeing him play and then still getting the win is big for them. And bodes for some problems for United, given the way we like to play, having a player like that in the center of the field. Someone like Doyle can mark a player like Devin Sandoval and take their aerial ability out of the game completely, which is a worry for us. We're going to have to figure out a way to get numbers forward and sort of make that ability neutralized a little bit. Right. Yeah. And like, cause that, that right there, that point is, is a strong one. I mean, he was injured like uh, in the beginning, I believe so was Axel Schuberg as well. PC was out. So mm-hmm. it was definitely a different lineup altogether um, and pulling up some of Doyle did play in the first game. I, I oh, do remember did, that. Right? And yeah, he did. Um, the thing that we did well in that first game, though, was we played on the ground and sort of used his lack of pace against him to sort of okay. go through them. So that was a game where we did well to sort of break them down and attack um, instead of 
just sort of relying on our set pieces and crosses to generate offense. Yeah, in their in their match today, um, San Antonio fired off 15 shots. They had six on target. Um, the way the way like these numbers are always very interesting because you could just read these numbers and go, oh, well, they had this. I mean, Colorado had 20 shots and 10 on guard, target, and we we've all seen Colorado play like they just very uh, passionate, like they are kind of a thunder strike of a team. But, I mean, San Antonio just really did get a foot in on a lot of balls. I mean, they did win a lot of balls away from Colorado, the ones that really mattered. Um, I mean, also what really kind of helped their win or secured it, I mean, they had a PK. It was like the second goal, I believe. And then and then the last one, you know, that they got like before the half. And, I mean – they just they just looked like the better team. They were playing an earlier match. I'm sure there was a little sun play. It was altitude. So by all means, like San Antonio was definitely playing against the elements uh, today to be able to kind of come out real strong, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I'm interested when United plays them is to see the possession stats and their shot stats. Last time we played, we had, we had 71% of the possession. Antonio didn't see the ball hard. This match, they had 43% possession and generated 15 shots. That just shows you how dangerous they can be on the counterattack. So we have to be really careful pouring numbers forward. They like to absorb pressure and hit back fast. So I I, I will be able to see how they handle Albuquerque and handle that ability to sort of take us on. Or are we going there? We might be going there this time. Yeah, we're we're going there this time. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so that that'll definitely be an interesting setting. And then yeah. the last time I went to San Antonio, last time I went to San Antonio, like I saw United get Wom to think it was the it was the five nil. I think it was a clean sheet. If I'm if I'm, my memory is serving me correctly, it was either five nil mm-hmm. or five one. I think it was five nil though, but um, it was it was horrible. United was down. Uh, to 10 men, like, like from the very first, I think 10, 15 minutes into the match. And, you know, and San Antonio was just doing something right. Uh, just, you know, mm-hmm. hitting, hitting all the angles on Cody Mizell at the time. Um, of course, obviously last time we went to San Antonio, we squeaked out that, that, play, that uh, first round uh, playoff victory. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And so that ultimately, you know, is kind of the last time we went there. So, you know, should be interesting for them this time around with the fans there and what that's going to look like. Um, some notable injuries again in today's match for San Antonio. Uh, they didn't have uh, San- Santiago Patino, who has a lower body injury. Um, Ollie Wright, lower body lower body injury, and then Connor Maloney at a lower body lower body injury. They were talking about a. Cam Lindley, who was playing mid today and apparently just, you know, a player to kind of watch out for as well as uh, just Nathan Bogota and uh, and then ultimately, um, you know, you had Jose Gallegos, which is, who is in as well. So, I mean, they got some they got some players. I mean, PC there. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, things are going to get a little physical through the mid. I mean, I could just see PC and Tenari having a, a, a heyday at it. Cause they're about the same sort of player. They definitely uh, subscribe to that shit housery kind of vibe. 
you know, and so cards are going to be flying. It's you know what I mean. It's mm. just, just that sort of sort of thing that's that's happening. Yeah. Um, a little bit more on Patino's injury. It was a stress fracture in his leg. Says he'll be reevaluated in the coming weeks. Um, so he's going to be out. That doesn't right? sound like he'll be available. Yeah. yeah so, it, so maybe not going to have to worry about that again. But you know, when you got a player like that who's who, who's a threat and he's like looming, you're mm-hmm. like, it's only a matter of time before he's going to be available. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll be a lot more dangerous when he's available. He's not played as much as they'd like, and he's still their leading scorer with five goals. So that's that's definitely a player to watch. You know, Jose Gallegos has a two-week trial with Bayern Munich. So anytime you have a player who's being recruited by Bayern who is playing on your roster, that's a player to watch. That's a player who can create danger. And last time we played them, he spent the entire first half with the ball running at our center backs, and it took two or three of them to take it off him every time. So going into this match against San Antonio, um, what do you think are the things that United needs to do to be able to have a successful first half and obviously going into the second half? I mean, what, what do you think the, the three things are that that they have to focus on coming out of these last two wins? I think we got to be a little bit more decisive with the ball. I think that we have to move the ball around fast, try and break down what's going to be a very defensive team. They're in, they're going to try and, you know, they don't want the ball the entire game. They want us to have it and run the clock. So we've got to move the ball fast. We've got to play through the feet of our midfielders, of our strikers, get the ball moving side to side, avoid crosses as much as possible. I would like to see a little bit less cross and pray more of trying to break teams down with possession. Uh, I also think, that our defense is going to have to play well. We're going to have to have a really strong back line who has great positional awareness. We know our assignments. Otherwise, they're going to hit and hit quickly. So those are my two big keys to ta- to taking down San Antonio. We'll see if they can do it. I think that the United is more than capable of beating this team. Yeah, I think, and just to add to that, you know, chance creation. Chance creation has got to be there. Um, you know, more likely, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not even sure who I think is going to be up top. I mean, they're they're saying Brown is is getting better. Says he, you know, he's 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 uh, healing up from his knock. Um, but I mean, it's obviously looking like Illich or Devin, you know, for the most part. You know, has Brown earned his long run out as a striker so far? I don't feel like that's the case. <laughs> Like, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like that's the case. Like, I mean, we could say the same thing for Ilya. It's like he got that goal. It was nice. And, um, you know, to get on the board, I mean, I, I give him all kinds of like technicality points for that. Um, but I'm, I just really want to see him turn on the, the Serbian sniper thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I almost wonder if he's better as a winger than he is as an out-and-out striker. Right. And then what's San Antonio going to look like? Because, dude, it is humid there. Like, so... Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe you trade a little bit of what we got here, but, like, I mean, San Antonio isn't going to be... It's going to be It's gonna be that hot summer. You know, that summer, summer time. Like, it's... it's <laughs> you know, the humidity is no joke there, dude. So, like... Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. things things might be slower than they are in real life. I don't know. So, um, yeah, my thoughts are just chance creation. Like, mm-hmm. we we just needed to get into the, the dangerous spaces. Like, they're gonna be fast mm-hmm. in their own spot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like you you covered defense. I think we have to shore up a little bit of that midfield. Um, like. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing that three four three, then we just really need a very good defensive stand in the mid. We just need that to be where the shutdown takes place. And I mean, look, they've been they've been going up like in the first half, so that's not the issue. It's just mm-hmm. how they it's just how they finish. And you know, they got to know that the other teams are obviously going to go in, change up a few things, and come out heavy. So they just need to focus on the second forty five. I feel like that is the main focus is like is the second 45 like complete 90 is mm-hmm. great that's that's a good thought about it but i think it's mm-hmm. the second 45 yeah i agree i i think that we've got to see them be better in the second 45 i i think that we've got to see the defense in particular we've got to see them play i think that charleston was their most complete game of the season but we got to yeah. see that more we got to see that more frequently where the defense looks good from start to finish, and we're not seeing dumb mistakes at the end of the game costing us points. Right, and so then moving, moving, or so let's let's we'll capture we'll caps with we'll, we'll capture that. What do you think the scoreline is in that match? If you wanted to throw out a prediction there, I feel like this is a high scoring match. I want to say two. two. I'm gonna go. He pulls out a two-two draw. Okay, two-two draw. I like it. It's a point on the road. We definitely need to at least come away with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially just with the way the standings are looking right now. Um, I'm I'm kind of feeling that same energy. I'm gonna go ahead and like sit on the same side with you with the two-two draw as well. Um, I don't know that we have exactly what it's gonna take to just pull out the win. Clearly, just given a few mm-hmm. factors, I. I think without Amondo, it's kind of hard to say whether or not there's that extra goal. And just with the way we've kind of been playing, um, you know, this 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 particular match seems like a 2-1 lead for a while. And then it seems like a, a San Antonio equalizer, like in the second half somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that this feels like a match where San Antonio is going to get the late equalizer. I do think that we're going to go out front, though. I think last time we played them, we did a good job of jumping out front fast, and that's something we need to see more of. Right. So let's shift into this this next match, the one I think we're we're both anticipating uh, more than anything. It's El Paso's return to the lab uh, for the the next installment of the Derby del Camino Real, the the derby between El Paso and New Mexico United. Um, the last seven matches have been in El Paso. United fans have traveled. Um, finally, they're back in the lab. The last time they're in the lab, they lost three nil. If you remember it, uh, the first season, uh, listeners, um, that was the last time they were there. And so here it is. This is going to be a big one. This this is going to be a big match for all. Um, I expect a sellout in the stadium. I really do. Um, I'm I'm kind of scared actually. I'm kind of scared because it's like it's gonna be it's gonna be a carnal match for sure. So El Paso's looking really good right now. Um, still undefeated in their stadium. Um, 
you know, I watched the match they played against Las Vegas Lights. I, I was commenting to you in the match that, you know, I, I think the Lights really just kind of weren't trying to play that match. I just honestly think so. They like there were never any goal kicks. It was always just clearing the clearing the ball, playing out of the back. It was carelessness, and then even almost an own goal when your goalkeeper takes a whiff at a ball that bounces by him and almost goes in. I mean, look, like, I I mean, El Paso played a hell of a game. I mean, they had tons of shots on goal, or I'm sorry, they had tons of shots and then just the, the critical amount on goal. They were able to find a way to get it done. It was still a 1-0 win, so it wasn't like it was super convincing, um, like, as far as maybe what they like to do, the standards that they play to. Um Thoughts about the El Paso New Mexico matchup? I think we know this one pretty well. It's it's Dylan Mares um, coming up the left channel. It's Diego Luna, their new seventeen year old um, who just loves to have the foot at his ball. I mean, or his sorry, his ball, the ball at his foot. And it's a it's a team that it's a t- it's that sort of time of the night. It's it's a team that like loves to advance through the middle of the pitch. Um, doesn't really press as much. They try to play that game, but they're just more of a style team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly think that we match up against a style team a lot better than we do against, say, a fast counterattack team or a really defensive team. A team that's going to come at us and try and play the game that we can play through is actually a good matchup for United. So I, I think it sets up well, being at the lab, being a huge game. Hopefully we get a sellout crowd on a Saturday night. It would be awesome to see. Okay. Um, so then, like, so you, you feel you feel like United's going to give them a good shot or what? A good challenge? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's going to be a good match. I think that, you know... San Antonio, or sorry, El Paso comes to play. El Paso plays well. They have players who are going to try and sort of outflare you, put the ball in the back of the net. But we have a pretty solid back line, give or take a couple second half shaky performances. And we've looked pretty good this year, sort of in against teams who are not sitting back or not pressing really hard on the counterattack. So we, I think probably the best game of that road stand was the El Paso game. We were kind of unlucky not to get at least get a point out of it. I, th- I think that it sets up well for United. Well, the way things are looking right now in the West in the Mountain Division, uh, El Paso currently leading the group, seven wins, one loss, three ties, um, twenty four points, right up there with Rio Grande Valley with the. Uh, Seven wins, three losses, three draws. And then, of course, United sitting in third with six uh, wins, five losses, and two draws. I mean, we're at 24 points. So, like, you know, that's that's the top three, you know. Bottom, mm-hmm. the, the top four is uh, Colorado Springs uh, with 17 points. So, definitely a critical. These are two critical matches for United to, to be able to keep their position. But um, El Paso, like... We, we know some of the threats. Uh, we know that um, United obviously will come out in a full press and really try to, um, you know, make or force El Paso into some bad decisions, right? Because, um, you know, El Paso, their biggest thing is, is advancing it through the middle. Um, El Paso just has a lot of threats. I mean, I honestly have to give them a little bit of credit because, I mean, they're really just a, a better – they're they're real cohesive unit this year. I mean, 
I love the mm-hmm. rivalry between the two teams, but I mean El Paso is just they're looking good. So what what Thomas does uh, does Troy need to tell his guys uh, to be able to pull a, an upset and kind of give El Paso their second loss? I, I think playing in the home playing our advantage with the home crowd will be a really big deal. I think that you know we've seen us get out get early goals. I think that using Prince's ability to design a great set piece and maybe pull one out in the first 15, 20 minutes, get the lab going, get the lab rocking is the most important thing we can do. Because if we can get the energy up, get the supporters chirping with the players, we've got a really good chance to sort of turn the game on its head and give them a real good fight. Okay. Yeah. I like that one. Um, Definitely like our back lines just got to be like, just gonna mm-hmm. be the best. Like we, it's gonna look a little different. We're not gonna have Hamilton. Yeah. We're not gonna have Hamilton. Yeah. So like a lot of that sort of defensive thing, we're gonna have Tete. Like you know, he's gonna be more likely right there in the back line. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're probably looking at, I would imagine, either Azira or or Rivas. Mm-hmm. Um, as far I, as I think that, that we'll probably see Rivas dropping back. I think we'll probably see something a lot very similar to the matchup, the lineup we saw against Charleston. Okay, that match we played a high press. We know that those players know how to do it, and actually did pretty well in the high press. And we saw you know Rivas drop deeper, and was it Tanari next to him drop deeper? Yeah, I think, so. I think it was. Yeah, so that was a really good partnership to sort of stay deep, but also provide some playmaking. I, I think that that's a good look at what we're going to see. Well, we definitely need like a lot of creation to be coming off the wings. Like, and mm-hmm. I guess with, with El Paso, you get that, right? Because they're not, yeah. they're not always pressing. There's a little bit more room for creativity. They're just really more concerned about like who gets into the final third is what is how we've seen those matches play. And usually it's like a lot of, a lot of, the left channel, we usually have Devin trailing on the right side. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. that Troy, Troy probably utilizes the same sort of lineup that we played against them um, each time mm-hmm. uh, because that's been pretty much the success factor. You know, and of course, you just don't yeah. really ha- have anything else with your injuries. So, I mean, it kind of only affords us certain possibilities. Um, uh, thoughts about how this match goes? What do you think the scoreline is going to be? Um, predictions things of that nature i mean i already know the shit house is going to be up i feel like it's a low this the shit house is going to be going i feel like it's a low scoring game but it's one united can win it's definitely one that i would like to see us win and would be huge it's a nationally televised game too right yeah 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 national tv all the spotlight on way to see and i think that's about what we get saturday night under the lights, you wouldn't have it any other way. The first time El Paso comes back to the lab, I, I think this qualifies Thomas as the sort of attitude era WWF where everyone from the locker room comes up to the ring. Like it's completely just Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble status. And I think that. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be like that with the substitutes. I think that the the fouls conceded are gonna be out of this world, hopefully. You can mm-hmm. only hope for so much. Um 
I think that the attitudes are going to be flaring. I think it's going to be a really solid one. But I think as soon as United can get the edge, and I think we win this match, Thomas. I think I agree. I think we win this match. I think it's a one nil. I think it's it's a one nil match personally, and I think that it's going to be crazy. I think that the eighth notch is going to come into town because it's a Saturday and they can make it up. It's going to be crazy, dude. I, I hope it is. Now, you're in the supporter section a lot more than me. How yeah. much does the supporter section tend to interact with the opposing goalkeeper for the 45 minutes they have them there? Um, well, you know, there's a couple of vibes in the supporter section. There's the one vibe of singing for your team, cheering on the guys. And then there's the one dude who's got the loudest set of pipes in the section. <laughs> I think the guy is like, I think the guy literally... I've I've heard him warm up his vocals like almost like he does choir or something. But this guy's got the uh, loudest set of pipes, dude. If this guy listens to the podcast, shout out to you. He's like literally like uh, when when Sean Melvin was in town, he was like Sean Melvin looks like a Cheeto. You heard those chants? Like he was like calling yeah. a Cheeto. He was saying he looks like a jack o' lantern. Like so, there's mm-hmm. a there's a contingent of people who like to heckle the goalkeeper, the old hockey sort of, hey, goalie, you suck, or it's your fault, or a, a good yeah. amount of, of those things. Logan Ketterer more likely is going to be in goal. Ben Berry was in goal tonight um, for them, mm-hmm. more likely resting Logan. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that there's going to be some some solid interactions with, with Logan Ketterer if he's the one in goal. If it's Ben Beery, oh, man, that's going to be a heartbreaker. Give him. I, I'm a fan of giving the goalie hell for the time you've got him there. You know, yeah. you've got him right in front of you. You're only a few feet away. Just, just let it fly and see, see if you can't, you know, disrupt him, get him a little bit riled up. Well, there have been some. When I was in Nashville, they had the sort of set up, and the roadies, for all the problems I have with them, they know how to talk shit to a goalkeeper better than almost anyone else. And they actually got a goalkeeper to throw a water bottle at him after a really tough match which was their crowning achievement as a supporter section. That kind of energy is what we need from the curse to sort of put that rivalry game over the top. Yeah, it's 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 going to be one. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, we're at this point where I'm like, final thoughts, Thomas. You got any final thoughts? Uh, everything we've talked about today, uh, just, you know, um, coming into the this week here, I know that you're going to be hot on the uh, the – the men's national team tomorrow. So any, any final thoughts for this podcast, episode 35? I think we're going to call this yeah. one for one night only. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've seen some highs. We've seen some lows. Hopefully the highs continue. I, I'm loving covering United and loving getting a chance to sort of go to these games and see what it's all about. And you know, it's been a fun team and let's just keep the good times rolling. Right on, right on. So, uh, Thomas, where can folks find you on the internet uh, for your soccer musings and or even other stuff that you're into? Yeah, I mean, catch me at um, Tommy Boy Godden on Instagram. I usually post a lot more physics stuff. That is what I do professionally, um, more photography type things. For soccer stuff, you can catch me at Soccer Nerd 73. That's what I've got sort of on the podcast screen itself right now. That's my soccer Twitter account. I tend to post a lot of United stuff on match days. Units, U.S. Men's National Team takes. And check out my other podcast, Yanks Go Talking, which is a U.S. Men's National Team-focused podcast. You can find it on places like Spotify. Man, I'm going to have to really watch my men's national team so I can try to 
intersect your all this podcast. We have to do we're gonna have to do like a cross pot or something. Oh heck yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, um, we got U.S. Canada coming up tomorrow night. It's gonna be Ooh. a blast. Hopefully, it's for all the marbles in the group, and it avoids Mexico for the final. So it's a pretty big deal, and I'll be sort of tuned in nervously, hoping we can finally pull out a win over Canada. Um, that team is pretty good, and U.S. didn't bring a squad to this Gold Cup. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so if you're hearing that, Tom, Tom, Thomas's Twitter is—he's uh, got some underscores in there. It's soccer underscore nerd underscore seventy three. Definitely want to want you to find him uh, and check out his column too, red or green, um, on Seek and Strike mm-hmm. Collective. You know, as he's rating United's performances. Uh, I'm sure we got another one to put up here pretty soon. So uh, definitely check mm-hmm. him out. I, you know, and and if you're, I know that there's some folks that are engaging with the post that are uh, leaving comments. We love that. Keep doing that. That's been great. Um, you know, and uh, my final thoughts, man. I'm gonna tell you this. I, I kind of ranted about it on Facebook earlier today. Maybe you saw it, but uh, man, you know where I'm going. Okay, look, you go to McDonald's late night. You order a ten piece. <laughs> you order a ten piece. You get two sauce buckets. Okay. I felt some kind of way, Thomas. I felt like I had to be real concise in my dipping. And then, you know, the nuggets have like the boot shape kind of thing going on. So I'm like, is the boot shape is the part of that? Is that where I'm supposed to hold the nugget? Is that how I get the most optimum dips? Because I feel like I got to go top side and then I got to flip it and go bottom side to be able to get the most. Because what if I come up, dude, what if I eat 10 nuggets and I still got a half of a sauce bucket left, then they're going to shut me down, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the problems with dipping and with nuggets, uh, struggle is real. I'm saying, you know, and and don't get me started on 20 piece because I figured that one out today. That's 6.66 chicken per per bucket, really. And so that's the evil chicken. So... um, (laughs) So, you know, so that that's my latest final thought for you is uh, when you're going to McDonald's, man, you might be smart to like, you might want to start saving the sauces because, I mean, somewhere in there, you're going to feel like you just need to, you know, get that one and go and just like totally go macho where, you know, where the sauce is like following on your fingers, like the whole damn thing is covered in, in sauce. So that's my final thought for you. Let's just closing it on a funny bit here. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter uh, under uh, by Chris Walker as well as on Instagram. Instagram has been interesting lately. I've been posting food and uh, and my toys and um, and music that I've been listening to. So definitely add me on there. I'll add you back. Um, so uh, where you can find everything against for again for writing seekandstrikecollective.com uh, Instagram. You can find us under Seek and Strike NM as in New Mexico, and Twitter as Seek and Strike NM again, as New Mexico. Um, and you can find, you know, our takes there, uh, you know, our podcast posts, as well as just pictures or quotes from the latest pressers. Uh, we appreciate your support uh, for Seek and Strike Collective, um, for Thomas, myself, obviously Sombrero Man, Josh Kaskin and Alicia, um, Veronica, everyone, um, Amanda and Ulysses, the full crew, Seek and Strike Collective, Thanks for supporting us. We'll check you out on the next episode 36. This has been We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, and we're out.
You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. Thank you.